Christ on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast and fanzine. Tim, why don't you remind our dear listeners by whom we are sponsored? The wonderful people at the Fat Ball, um, always doing great stuff, always doing lovely food. So yeah, get yourself down there, get yourself some Christmas bookings and line Richard's pockets because he deserves it. Yes, indeed. Thank you to the Fat Ball for covering our massive costs on this high production podcast but another weekend another three points but this one was a bit mad a 7-5 victory against Barnet uh things are never simple with us Liam you were there weren't you what did you make of it I was actually in Liverpool being a part-time fan oh my god I promise I didn't know that I wasn't I wasn't doing that on purpose (laughs) I was being kept updated um by a friend, and yeah, I can't give you a forensic analysis, but it sounded like complete madness. And I had a nice encounter with two older boys from um, Swansea in the cavern who were wishing us all very well, and it restored my faith in people from uh, that neck of the woods. Oh, glad, really glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> and Andy, were you actually there? Yeah, I was there. I came up for it. I only come up for, for massive goal thrillers now at, at yeah. the race course. Good call. Obviously, it was seven goals. Obviously, um, it was great entertainment, and <laughs> obviously, there's a few problems there because that I don't know if they saw um, like a video of the Notts County game beforehand, but they were they were playing much like Notts County did. They were playing in the pocket in front of our back three, and no one from the midfield was really picking them up. So after like 30 minutes of inactivity from, from Barnet, where we deservedly went ahead, they actually put a couple past us, and I thought, "Ooh, what, what we got here." And, you know, it took a deflected goal to get us back in it. But after that, I think we really, attacking-wise, uh, we we really took the game to them. And I, I feel a bit sorry for Elliot Lee, to be honest, because he's such a masterclass display. And at the end, people were walking out going, well, how have we conceded five there? And that seemed to be the sort of overriding opinion of that match, when really and truly there was some absolutely breathtaking attacking play, mostly from that little fella. With the with, with the big ass. Well, let's let's keep this podcast body positive. Tim, what did uh, what did you make of the uh, of the game? There's no way to talk about Max Cluworth like that, Andy. A bit unfair of you. But there you go. Um, yeah, it, no, it was a shit game. No, obviously it was it was it was this season's Dover game, wasn't it? For season two, of the documentary. Just crazy. Um, a really weird, weird atmosphere. First twenty minutes, just flat as a pancake. And we got the goal and we just assumed that there was going to be a plain sailing from there on in. And then it was only when they scored those two quick goals and we were behind that kind of stung us into action a bit, really. Found ourselves in front of the break. Uh, then we're level pegging again and everybody's looking around thinking it's going to be one of these kind of games. It was just nuts. There was it four goals in eight minutes or something like that. Um, seven, seven, three, home and dry. Barnett had other ideas. Very neat and tidy Barnett team. Uh, I thought they were decent. Some of their goals were very, very well crafted. They will take points off people if they can sort their defence out. A lot of people keep saying, that you know, oh, well, you're never going to go up if you score five, if you can see five goals at home. But if you strip it right back, football's about outscoring the opposition, isn't it? So that's what we've done. I, I, I get what people are saying and it will be addressed because like the Dover game, it's an anomaly. It's it's a weird thing that you just kind of bookend and park and go, yeah, it's, it's an odd game. It's very unlikely that we will concede 
three or four goals against another side this season, let alone five. Do you know what, mate? We've conceded five times in three games under Phil Parkinson, which, if you think about it, is nuts. But what's more than that is we've won two of those games. Doesn't matter, does it? I mean, I, I looked at the home form for like the, the, the calendar year to date, um, and I think it's something like we've played 19 at home, won 17, drawn two, lost none. I think we've scored something like 66 goals. I mean, it's crazy stats. We can't, and also we can't say that it's not entertaining at the very least, because I mean, people moaned and moaned about the standard of football under Dean Keats. We were scraping one nil wins, tidy stuff, but seven five is a lot more exciting. And we can't, we can't complain if, uh, if, if, if you want more exciting football, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Everybody's talking about it. You know, the match of the day, BBC, Sky, they're all looking at that game going, Oh, it's another another normal day in the world of Rob and Ryan and, and their football team. It's just, it's a wild ride. Yes, it felt a bit weird coming away from that game or even towards the end. Only Wrexham could score seven goals in a game and still give us squeaky bum moments. It was just really weird. But again, you go back to the tail end of last season when we were squeaking games 1-0, 2-1 or whatever. What do you want? Is it 1-0s, 2-1s? Seven four, seven fives. Does it matter? Tim, I want it all. I want absolutely everything. I You're want not Freddie Mercury. You can't have it all. Five nil every single day. You're too busy watching Arsenal, a greedy man. Every possible eventuality I want to score of by the end of the season. Only us winning, though. Um, however, in other big Wrexham news this week, uh, Rob McElhenney followed me on Twitter. So it's... Uh, well thank you, you very much. A, a real... What took, what took you so long? I know, I know, but you know, Rob has finally seen sense, and he's followed the voice. What's of he going to get? What sort of content is he going to get from? He Reece is Williams going to get about two tweets a week, trying to promote my work. When I remember to do that, yeah. uh, he will get complaints about Welsh rugby, and he'll get retweets of Wrexham content that he's already seen. Okay, are you going to retweet him just so he knows that he's I'm, about? I might do. Tim, who is texting you? Could you? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I've, I've got. I've got them muted, so I've no idea what's it, what it's about. Hopefully, that's done the job. I. I should say actually. I'm. I'm. I'm reticent to say this because I do massively regret taking part. With no disrespect to the people who made the program, but on Wednesday there is another documentary about Wrexham on um, on S. Pedwanek, um, which you will all enjoy. And unfortunately, I have. I was talked into doing it on behalf of Fearless and Devotion. So I hope Why I have it. it? What, what happened? I, nothing what happened. Nothing bad do? happened. But just, you know, I've... I, I'm just a vanilla... You knew about it before. I'm just a vanilla man with, with no opinions. Uh, and it's just, it, it's just uh, shots of me in my shed pretending to do a podcast, which you're all going to laugh your heads off at, I'm sure. But I don't know. Uh... I mean, I wasn't going to watch it, but now I am. <laughs> Is it like a Welsh reenactment? Who are you going to be the equivalent of from Welcome to Wrexham? Good question. Possibly, maybe. No, I don't actually know. I, I've, I've probably been cut from it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if you want, if you want to hear some top class <laughs> Wenglish, then you know you'll. Uh, yeah, please tune in on Wednesday night to Wrexham uh, in Club Knee, which I don't. Well, go on, Reese. Actually, come on, tell us about it. Actually, in case people don't actually know, how of long course. is it? What, what's it about? Andy, these are all questions I wish I could ask. I, I can answer you. But there's more than one episode. I think there's a few, maybe four or five. They're hour long. And I wow. think 
I think it's basically the same uh, as it's not. It's not the same as Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, uh, Maxine is involved. Uh, friend of the club, friend of Robin Ryan. I don't know how. I think she might. She's either presenting it or she's like a. Uh, I don't know. She's just sort of taking part. But there's lots of interviews with different Wrexham fans. Somehow I've uh, been roped into it, even though you know we've uh, probably because I'm down the road from Cardiff, so they could come to me easily. Didn't have to go up to Wrexham. Aren't, they, um, aren't you in it twice though? Am I in it twice? I don't know. Yeah, you, uh, Jason. Well, oh, very good, very good. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I don't think Jason is in this one. I think it's a different one, or, or is it? It must be the same one. There can't be two documentaries about Wrexham. Um, no, apparently he is because he, he went up and interviewed Tommy Cowes a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Jason is in this one. He's in this he one. He will be indistinguishable from from the host. I'll be in it twice. Remarkable scenes. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. What more reasons could you possibly have to answer it? Anyway, less about that. More about uh, our fanzine. Andy, tell us about the fanzine. Uh, it was out right. Okay, this is quite prophetic. Prophetic. I mean, not pathetic. So I took out seventy-five fanzines on Saturday. I sold them all, and we won seventy-five. Good job. I didn't take out seventy-eight. Isn't it? Otherwise, we would have egg on our faces. Really um, but yeah, it's it's out. You can buy it online. Fearless.wales. It's it's got a lot about the documentary because I think we're trying to catch that zeitgeist. You will find a couple of tweets from me trying to push it to an American audience because we just love money, um, and so let's push it out to those guys. They pay more postage and packing. Uh, but for the layman, normal rank and file Wrexham fan, there's a quite a bit there for you i'm not going to say one of the interviews is going to come up in a bit but we've got a chat with phil parkinson that tim did we've got round two of cop trumps with alexander hamilton in it so you obviously need that one need to laminate it um on top of that we've got a good chat with dean keats some of the bits from the from the podcast and some stuff we held back much much more all your old favorites dear beast um herbs and salt you your condiment duo. What what more could you want? Where, where's 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 uh, I spy my little bri? You know all all your favourites there. Took me ages. Took me ages to find that little shite earlier on. I was sitting on the carsey and I couldn't find him. It took me ages to find him. And it's the Andy, easy one. Andy, what what a sales pitch that was. Um, re- remarkable. I'm not sure anyone could have done that better. Unbelievable scenes. And speaking of. Uh, we're now going to hear another uh, a part of uh, an interview uh, for that fanzine um, that Andy a couple of weeks ago sat down with uh, Jordan Davis, um, our midfield maestro. Obviously, was unavailable over the weekend, um, but he has a really really nice open chat with Andy covering the documentary, uh, the very sad miscarriage um, of his uh, child, and lots of other stuff. So um, here is that interview for those who are interested. Right, I'm here with uh, Jordan Davis, a bit starstruck with an international telly star. How does that feel, Jordan? Yeah, you know, every every Thursday when we set up to watch it uh, with the family, um, you just look, you're almost looking forward to seeing yourself, which is, is such a strange feeling. And, you know, um, 
it's, it's special because we've done a lot of work on it in the last couple of um, couple of months and since I've since they've been recording, you know. So it's mm. we I put a lot of time and effort into it, and I know a few of the lads have. So it's it's interesting, and every sort of look forward to every Thursday. It's usually Saturday three o'clock, but this has got a little place um, every Thursday to look forward to now. Yeah, you know what, mate? I got up at 8 a.m. and I watched today because I was really looking forward to it. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I think it's probably one of the best ones. Um, where it is the one where Ryan, Rob and Ryan come to town. Yeah, I've just finished watching it, to be fair, this this minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's great, isn't it? Because I know what you, you're like. I'm, I'm pausing it every now and again, trying to see if I can see myself. Now, it's a bit different for you because you're, you're more front and centre. Um, but, you know... Were you prepared for this amount of global interest in the club or or was the sort of Rob and Ryan getting involved in the first place? Has that prepared you for it a little bit? I think, yeah. I think um, once Rob and Ryan took over and I sort of got a gist of how things are going to work and how big it is going to get, I think having had more um, publicity off the documentary than I thought, it's probably been about as I thought, but, you know, it just yeah. comes part and parcel with a football club now. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously been watching it. What's your favourite bit so far? You know, as, as a player, I like seeing all the football stuff. Um, mm. There probably hasn't been as much football stuff because we didn't get off to the greatest of starts last year and hopefully that's more to come. But, you know, just seeing the local people and how mm. they've interacted with the whole situation, it's just great, isn't it? And I just feel like when I'm d- out shopping, people ask me, oh, I've seen you on the documentary. It's just something for everyone for, from Wrexham to unite themselves with and, and have something to watch together. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it'll be pr- for prosperity as well. I mean, this will be about for, for years. No, no, it, it tends to do sort of like story arcs. And one arc I thought was quite interesting was the Paul Rutherford one in the second episode. I mean, how, as a player, how did you sort of see that? You know, at the beginning, he was being slagged off a little bit. And then obviously what happened with the red card. But then you saw Paul Rutherford's reaction to that. And I think it really sort of brought it home a little bit, how much it means to players. I think Rutherford is the... The, the best guy, one of the best guys I've met in football and I can't speak, speak highly enough of others. And I think it really hit home, you know, when um, it showed it all and then it just cut to the the next day, Paul Rutherford was released. I think yeah. that was the icing on the cake for that episode, you know, and that really hit home. And yeah, I, I felt felt for him. I really did. Yeah, I think that that sort of, that when that flashed up, I think that locked, knocked a lot of people for six because that just is a reality of, of what it's like football was like at this level. I mean, you've, you've sort of mentioned that the crew were following you about. Can you ever really get used to that? Um, I can say, yeah, I probably have now, um, especially there's some people from the crew that have been there from the start throughout. So it is easier with them. There is new people within the crew, which does take a little bit of a while to get used to, to them as well. So yeah, with the people that have been here for like, it's almost 18 months coming on to two years now for me. So it is, yeah. I am getting used to it, you know? So yeah, I probably am, but it's still surreal when you just have a check-in time sometimes. Yeah, I know. Like in today's episode, they were discussing your contract. Uh... <laughs> Um, right up front and centre. I mean, that must have, uh, you must have been a little bit surprised by that. Obviously, they didn't go into figures or anything, but it's still it's still quite uh, an eye-opener, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. You know, um, the first thing that the gaffer said was just to try and time me down and obviously sat at home and you just think, wow, it's, you don't really know the conversations that happen. And 
there's one I didn't know that happened. And yeah, it's just surreal. It really is surreal. Yeah, I mean, it's that little insight that I love. I mean, do you think there's extra pressure on, on you being the hometown boy? Yeah, I think there always is going to be um, from from the start and throughout. And I've come to expect it now a little bit. Um, but yeah, there always is going to be pressure on me um, because I'm local and no one else can really relate as I can because I am local and I've experienced it all. Yeah, so you're probably looking at the doc the same as me. Is like, you know, there's people we know in it and there's people we've known for quite a while and they don't happen to always be your teammates or anything. It's just it's just local people that that you see about and you know that's it's great that they're getting the stage isn't it yeah it's great that they're getting the stage but people have got to remember that things that they've said are going to be in the people's minds now as well you know mm. um opinions that i've listened to on the documentary which i didn't necessarily agree with but it is what it is and that's how you make tv yeah and j- just I mean, how important, just, just going back to the home sort of hometown homeboy aspect, how important is it to have Wrexham born or youth products in the team? Yeah, it's critical. You know, I think this whole documentary is outlining Wrexham itself. And ultimately, I can relate to that. And I'm probably the best example of it within within the Wrexham itself. You know, I've, I've come through the ranks and now I'm playing every week at, at the level that we are with the Hollywood owners, you know, and young lads that you see on the documentary, like for example, the boy kicking the documentary in the intro, he's got people that yeah. to look up to like me because I am local. And obviously I did what he was doing a long time ago now. Yeah. Just not in a documentary. I mean, just not in a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Last let's get on to last season. It's an amazing season. Some would say it was your breakthrough. I, I mean, I don't know. I think you did quite well the season before, but 21 goals, from midfield did anything really change for you in that season did you sort of feel more comfortable in a settled role I think I started feeling more comfortable the back end of the year before and I think putting together a full season of feeling comfortable then produced that so I started to feel comfortable probably February of the year before and then put 10-15 games of being comfortable and being consistent together and I think that just followed through into the next season. And yeah, you know, I set in my targets for the season before it happened and I pretty much it, um, got through every one of them. So yeah, that's always a successful season. Yeah. I mean, would you sort of credit Dean Keats a, a bit with that? Was sort of getting you settled? Because I know you'd been sort of, you'd been deep lying, you'd been left wing. But, you know, once you sort of took that attacking midfield role, I don't think there was there was much looking back really, was there? No, it, it took probably longer than what I thought for myself to get settled under Keatsy because we got on so well and we understood each other well. But things happen in football and different. And thankfully, I landed in that position um, with, with time to spare. And, you know, I, I kicked on at the back end of the season. And yeah, I've got a lot to thank for Keatsy um, for seeing that as well. I mean, brilliant, brilliant uh, season on the field, but it was it was rough for you in many ways off it. I mean, a lot of people were really impressed how mentally tough you were by by sort of taking all that on and and still performing on the on on the field. I mean, how much was it affecting you when you were sort of walking onto the pitch? I think I think I used it as a as a the best escape I could possibly have from it. So football was my escape for for many months in that season. So I just go to football and not forget about it, but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind in that instance. And, you know, walking out on a Saturday, I'd look towards the family and they'd understand what was going on. And 
I'd understand what was going on. And sometimes we just had little signals that I could use to them and we had together to, to drive me ultimately. And I think sometimes in adversity, you can use that to drive you and I probably use that to drive me. Yeah, I mean, I could just remember after after the announcements about your your, your baby boy. I mean, the, the game after you scored two, and it's, I, I did sort of feel that maybe that was a release for you in 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 some way. I mean, you know, it, as you say, you can't ever forget about it, but at least football can can give you a different sort of different sort of. <sighs> I don't really know what the, the word really in in a situation like this, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think from 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 the get go, I opened up to Lukather and. He was absolutely by my side and all the lads were excellent. So, you, you know, I didn't go to football dreading anything. I was I was going there to escape. And ultimately, I found the way of expressing myself on the pitch as well. You know, um, obviously struggled off the pitch, but on the pitch, I felt like I could express myself that little bit more because everyone understood what was going on. No, I, I, I agree with that. And as I say, I think everyone was really impressed how you, you know, on the pitch, how you, how you dealt with it. And, you know, it's a credit to you. I mean... Um, what was it like when Ryan and Rob made the gesture as well, though? Because that sort of came out of the blue, and I'm, I think everyone was was united in how nice that was. Yeah, you, for a charity like Sands, and we used it, and the process would have been unbelievably more tif- difficult if we didn't have the facilities down at the Myler. And you know, mm. ten grand to them may not mean an awful lot, but ten grand to people like us and ten grand to charities like Sands is a massive amount, and all my family and we were just really happy for Sands really that when it come through and just delighted that we could help the next family that go through what we did. Yeah, I think it's that's just another sort of indication of how well, you know, these these guys sort of not just understand, but you know, they're they're doing little bits for the community here and there, aren't they? It's just it's God, we couldn't have wished for better owners, could we? I know. Everything it it seems cliche when you say they've done absolutely everything, but they actually have done everything, you know. They they sent presents to the house for me and Kelsey throughout it all. They were checking in on um on us all the time. And, you know, like, they don't have to do them things. They're owners. They don't have to, but they did. And they're doing absolutely everything right. No, and just the last thing on this. Do you think that footballers are more in tune with their mental health now and, and what you guys need to keep healthy? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot more people to... Um, go and speak to you know um, like if we're struggling at the club there is people that you can go and speak to and that's their job and I think it's more widely understood and more widely known now uh, within football that mental health is definitely a thing and it's at the forefront of people's minds yeah I'm just going on to more football matters how would you how would you describe Parky as a boss and how does he differ from Keats well apart from loads of money um (laughs) The gaffer's very calm throughout the week. He's very standoffish um, until it comes to a Friday morning where he says his piece and we all listen in, you know, and um, Steve Parkin does a lot of the work within the week and then it comes to a game day and the gaffer's a completely different person. Um, like you've seen on the documentary, yeah. he's he's very calm until game day and, and then he just comes alive, you know, and, and his energy co- correlates across from the players and I think he does drive you on a game day. Yeah. And, and sort of going on to the football terms, how did you feel when you heard Elliot Lee was coming in? Yeah, you know, competition's helpful. Um, I, I wasn't sure where he was going to play and what sort of like player he was initially, but had a look and I scored some great goals and created a lot of goals through, through his career. So competition's good and 
ultimately strength and depth is what probably let us down last year, you know, um, towards the back end of the season. The 11 pretty much picked itself, um, barring injuries and stuff. So, you know, it was vital this year that we've got the, the squad and Elliot's an absolutely great addition to have to the squad. And I see him training every, every day and, you know, I, I can see the quality he's got and he's a great guy. I mean, can you two play together and do you pick up little tips from him? Yeah, I think I think we play, well, we do play off each other really well. Um, I think throughout the season, there will be times where me and Al do play together and I think it'll prove and that'll be a very good thing. I mean, the dock means a lot more pressure because there's people all over the world now checking in and, you know, and looking at your results and trying to watch you play. Can this Wrexham side handle that pressure? Yeah, certainly. I think we've got proven winners, proven promotion winners in the team. Um, from from experiencing goal to, I know, Ben Toza has got many promotions. Um, the, the two lads either side of him haven't got many promotions, but they've got all the attributes, you know. And Toza just sort of gets them two together and keeps them cool and, cool and calm. You've got 4D right wing back who's played hundreds of games in the Football League. Left wing back, you got Mendy, who was probably the best left wing back in the league last year. Certainly from when I've played against him, he's he's tough to play against, you know. And then you've got Luke Young, who's been Wrexham f- for, for a while now and gives absolutely everything, you know, and he's a great captain every day. And then you've just got the two, the front two, you know. The front two have obviously started really well. And if you've yeah. got two people at the top of the pitch that are going to score your goals, you, you're going to win games, you know. And um, yeah. if we've got them two fit throughout the season, we won't be far away if we don't win it. I am for my money. It's definitely the best strike pairing in the league by by a mile. I mean, is there a quick, can we have a quick word on Max? Just a lad who's sort of come in the yeah. same sort of way that you has. And to be honest, he just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I thought Grimsby last back end of the last season, he had a tough game, but fair play, that guy has absolutely reacted to that, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, I think when you've got Aaron Hayden, who's ultimately very very physical on the other side of the pitch, your teams are going to look at Max and they're going to kick on to Max and they're going to play off Max. And there's been games this year and Max has handled it brilliantly, you know, and you can just, for his age, he's so mature, so, so driven and he's got a very good chance of playing at a very high level. If that's not with Wrexham or hopefully that is with us if he stays and we get promoted, you know, and um, he's, he won't get carried away. He's not that type of kid. He's, he's a great lad. Um, you know, and I can't speak highly enough of Max. No, I mean, in the same sort of thing, what's your long-term aim? I mean, you, obviously you went to Brighton, it didn't quite work out. Would you like another crack at that high level? Can you, do you think you can do it with, with Wrexham? Yeah, certainly. I think ultimately I, I want to get Wrexham promoted, you know, and that was the ultimate aim when I came back. Um, I've said it before that, um, you know, I was going to use Wrexham for a platform to bounce up the league. That's what me and Keatsy talked about. But with the takeover happening and the ambition of the club now, it's going to take something very, very good for me to leave Wrexham. And I think that's something that if I did do, the fans would just see that as I want to stay. But if something is too good, then that's just life, you know. But I would love to stay and get Wrexham promoted. And that's as simple as it is, really. No, that's fair enough. You can't put it much more simply than that. I mean, <laughs> Wales squad, I mean, it's probably a bit too early for you for this World Cup, but is that something, again, you you think you can achieve with Wrexham? But do you think you need to get back into the league to, to really be taken seriously there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my agent's 
put my name to Rob Page and ultimately I just did tier five in, in the English pyramids not going to get you in the Wales squad does doesn't matter what I do if I'm honest um yeah I just don't think it's good enough to get you in the Wales squad so hopefully when Wrexham get promoted and we get promoted then you know you, you get your chance um if I keep up my goal scoring form and performances um then ultimately that's a dream to play for my country because I'm very proud to be Welsh and I think every young lad's Welsh um dream at the minute is to play for Wales because you just look especially with the World Cup coming up and yeah it's what what a chance no definitely uh, right just do a few quick fire questions to finish yeah. off if that's okay Jordan thanks very much for your time no right, problem um, whatever pops into your mind on these who's the dressing room joker um McFadstein oh is he right that's a, yeah. a new one he slipped in pretty pretty easily to that role did he yeah great guy yeah Right, who's the worst dressed? Aaron Hayden. Oh, is it? Right. Okay. I've only ever seen him in tracksuits, really. So what's his yeah. bubble like? Usually, uh, usually not matching ones. That's his problem, I think. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> Who would you say is the most underrated player in the squad? Uh, probably JJ. I think, um, obviously, being surrounded in the fans from last year, certainly. I think he got stick when it's undeserved sometimes, and he does a lot for the team. Who's the biggest moaner? Toza, without doubt. All um, right. Yeah, I think he uses moaning to drive everyone's standards, but he's always got good intentions with it. But he is certainly yeah. the biggest moaner. When we do this, these questions on the fanzine, there's only ever two answers, depending on where this player is, where you know how old the player is. It's either Darren Ferguson or Neil Ashton. Would you sort of put Toza in that league of moaning? Yeah, definitely. Um, he is a good moaner, Toes. <laughs> Who picks the tunes? Toes up. Yeah, Toes is in charge of that. Um, not sure. Um, yeah, he, he does it every week, home and away. Pretty consistent with it. What sort of, What sort does he go for? Is it a mix or, or is he sort of like more easily listening? No, I think he's more quite heavy dance. Um, get All right. the lads going, get the lads pumped, you know. Oh, fair enough. Um, who wouldn't you want to fight in that squad? Um, I think either Aaron Hayden or Ollie Palmer, because Ollie is a very, very strong boy. He is big, but he's also very strong. Um, and yeah, I probably wouldn't get the better of Ollie. Yeah, Ollie's pretty. He's also deceptively quick, isn't he? So he, mm. he's probably mm -hmm. yeah. Um, right, getting to the end now, mate. Just two left. What was the best and worst away trips in the National League? Best is... Oh, it's going to be tough this year. I'm looking forward to Oldham. Um, obviously, I see oh, that yeah. we, sold, we sold the tickets out pretty quick, so I'm expecting a, a good away end down at Oldham and to new ground. So, looking forward to that. And then the worst, it's probably it's probably Wheelstone. It's just a crap place to go. Um, mm. crap, crap atmosphere, crap. Crap stadium, um, rubbish pitch, but we won there last year, so hopefully we'll repeat that. You enjoyed it last year, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. You were, you almost broke a stand with that goal, which sort of sums <laughs> up how, how shit that stadium is anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and lastly, for me, mate, what's the favorite goal you scored so far? Um, probably I think outside of the foot um, was probably. The, the thing I think it takes the most skill um, so the outside of the foot one oh go on you have to give me the, who was that against mate you remember 
<laughs> that goal, I can't remember it was against. <laughs> it's in the trophy, wasn't it? Um, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can track that one down. No, no problem yeah. at all. But then for the for the atmosphere, the six five winner at Dover, at Dover at home. Yeah, that was, was the, the, unbelievable. The, the, the close range header, yeah. Yeah, the the Dan Jarvis uh, header. <laughs> Yeah, which he tried to claim, yeah. yeah. Perfect, mate. That's all from me. Thank you no, so much for, no, for talking to me. And uh, good luck for the for, for the season, mate. Nice one. Thanks. Cheers, Frank. Thanks, Thanks again to uh, Jordan for his time. We really appreciated it and also appreciated his, um, his candour um, talking about how um, his life has been over the last couple of years. We heard him there at the beginning of the interview talking about the documentary, what have we made of the most recent uh, few episodes? A big dump of four episodes on Thursday. I thought it was probably the most solid run of, you know, in terms of a block of four episodes. Um, the last time round we had a few and I wasn't keen on, you know, the hooligan one. There's what odd episode here and there, but as a block of four, that was really good. And I think the episode that which featured Jordan was probably the best one just because you know, really level-headed couple, seemed like a lovely pair, and they were really open and honest about um, their story. And I think it touched a lot of people. Like, I don't know about anyone else, but by the end of it, <laughs> I was practically in tears. So, yeah, really good episode, that one. And sort of by contrast was probably the Stockport Trophy Game episode, which was pretty much a laugh a minute, especially with the bit where Rob McElhenney suddenly appears <laughs> and being really jealous of uh, Ryan's trip to Wrexham. Quite surprised by how candid Kev Mulholland was. Uh, yeah, and I really enjoyed that. The... <laughs> enjoyed that they left that in. And I thought they dealt with it in a in a nice way. What do you think of that, Andy? Um, I quite like the fact that it was like the back of his head, so he probably didn't even know he was being filmed. But I, I think that episode was good. And it just sort of shows the different styles they're doing with this, with this documentary. They're sort of... The Rob McElhenney critique of it, I think, worked quite well. And they're not afraid to try new things on this. And I think that sort of really helps it jolt along a little bit. Um, you know, it's a bit of a piss take, but what's wrong with that? I mean, you know, you can you can just tell that, you know, there's still a, a lot of fondness between him and Ryan. And then they allow themselves to, 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 to make fun of each other. And I think, you know, once you've got a couple of, episodes where it just solely focuses on the team. I think you do need to come back to Rob and Ryan every now and again, because they do sort of anchor this and they do make this, they do give that Hollywood sparkle to to things. And I think Ryan coming across for that advert, then staying for the for the Stockport match, it's just interesting to see how he sort of interacts that on his own. I think that was probably the episode where he, well, said so the episode, the game where Ryan really got the bug as well because I know they joked about it but I do think there was an element to not that he was you know distanced from it but he was viewing it more from a business perspective and it was almost that transition from owner businessman into proper sports fan really got bitten by the bug watching Paul Mullin two amazing goals running on the pitch at the end hugging everyone about three or four times and I think we felt like that at the time like watching him up in the box as a Wrexham fan so yeah, it was, it was quite a great all-round moment. There was more uh, match action in this in this sort of dump of four, which I think, I don't know, just kind of felt like it lacked a bit in recent ones. And then it was just kind of like, let's let's hook the uh, hook the views back in and show them the madness of, of the National League, especially with that Dover game and the Chesterfield turnaround and 
Yeah, it was well put together. I wasn't sh- too sure whether the Cameron Green subplot was really needed. Didn't really do much for me that because it, it didn't exactly make a thousand wonderful appearances. So I wasn't really enamoured. I can much. understand. To be honest, mate, I can understand why they did that. I think they're trying to show the harsh reality of. But it, was it a harsh reality? Really, was it? I, I suppose. I, mean, I suppose he's. Game. But also, I suppose he's been in. He's been in the documentary. I suppose if you're if you're not really following the team very closely and you're following the documentary, a lot of Americans might be like, "Where's that bloke, Cameron, in the house?" You know, he just disappeared. It makes sense then to sort of acknowledge the fact that he's moving on. If you're team. American, and you're listening to this. Please, please let us know if you thought that, because I'll be amazed if anybody thought, "Where's that Cameron Green gone?" Well, they, well, they will have well, done you it. You just tell that to the USA Cameron Green fan club, all right? Wisconsin. I have. He hasn't got one. I, I, I He's got two. They I call guess. it the Cameron Green Bay Packers. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and on that bombshell, let's move on to uh, a preview of our next game, which is, of course, uh, in the FA Cup. No, it's not. It's in. Yes, it is in the FA Cup. In the fourth qualifying yeah. round. Yeah, fourth. fourth. So the, the final qualifying round before round number one, and we have Blythe Spartans. Tim, why don't you explain the significance of this fixture? Oh, I wonder if I get to use my three pages of notes that I had prepped for Dixie McNeil, but Dixie and technology don't mix. So it didn't quite work to get Dixie um, on this occasion, but we will endeavour to... We will get him. We will get him. He's, he's going to take his computer in to get fixed, and we're going to get Dixie. I, I, I like the story behind this, and I think it's important that, that people hear it. If, if you don't already know it, you should. So basically, Blythe, and um, we've not played him that many times. The last time we played him was the the Rebbed 77-78 season, where we won promotion to effectively what is now the championship. So Blythe were Northern League team, and they'd reached the fourth round of the FA Cup for the first time ever, and they played Stoke of the second division and beat them 3-2 in the previous round. So... Rex and Blythe, another big fixture. The first game was played on the 18th of February, 1978, on a very rock-hard pitch, very cold um, February's evening or day. I can't remember. I I think it was an evening. I'm pretty sure it was a Monday night match, bizarrely, for for whatever reason. So rock-hard pitch that shouldn't have been played. That's point number one. Then we, we have a very loose pass from, I think it's Alan Hill, dodgy back pass. Their lad, uh, Johnson, goes in and scores for the first half goal. And one of our old players, we had, we had the classic Adidas college 70s kit on. John Lyons um, was then sent off for Wrexham for basically, check out the footage on YouTube, he basically kicks um, uh, the Blythe Spartans player, Carney, basically kicks him square in the bollocks, no messing about, full on, kicks him in the balls, full pelt, because he, he, he took exception to a bad tackle. They were both sent off, Carney for the tackle. Lions for the retaliation with the, with the ball kick. Basically, the, the long story short for the for the initial thing, which sets up the replay, is that the, the, we Wrexham win a corner late on. It ba- the ball basically goes off Bobby Shinton's shins, so it shouldn't have been even a corner. It should have been a free kick. Blythe see the game out. Wrexham are no longer in the cup. As it stands, the referee gives a very, very, very dodgy um, corner to us. That corner is first punch behind. The second, I think it's the first two corners. Uh, 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 either I think the first one's punched behind, and the second one is is collected. But the referee orders a retake because the corner flag wasn't standing upright. It, it basically blown over or been knocked down. So again, just when Blythe thought they they claimed it and we're going to see out the time, the referee said, "No, you need to replay that corner." Ball comes in, 
Dixie knows not a great deal about it, lands on his noggin and goes into the back of the net. 89th minute, I think that was his ninth goal in the FA Cup. I think he scored in every previous round. That was in the 89th minute. Wrexham get away with, with well, they get away with one there big time. And the referees obviously went just as shite then as they are now. So that's where we're up to. I will tell you about the replay in a second because I know he's, he's, Reese is dying to say something. I'm not. I'm not. I was bl- just blown away, blown away following the intricate history of Blythe versus Wrexham. Well, yeah, I just, I, I just, I think that's quite fascinating. And then the replay, um, we Wrexham had pre- previously beaten Newcastle in the previous round. Basically, they'd won. I think the first game might have ended one each, and then we'd beaten them at home four-one. So, lo and behold, Blythe get permission to uh, host a replay at St James's Park. Uh, Dixie and the boys, Dixie's gone on record as saying this in a previous interview, they tip up at St. James's Park and the place is deserted and they're thinking, Jesus, this is going to be shit. There's going to be nobody here. The reason there was nobody there is because everybody was already inside at quarter past six for a half seven, quarter to eight kickoff. They, I think the official attendance was supposed to be, oh, it was given us 42,187. They reckon there was probably well over 55,000 people in the ground. Um, Absolute carnage, people climbing over the fence into getting hostile atmosphere. Same referee, as was the case back then. You were the same referee for replays. Um, and he had the balls to give Rex a penalty after 10 minutes um, for a dodgy looking penalty on a pitch that looked like a swimming pool. Um, and yeah, Graham Whittle knocks it in after seven minutes. And then Dixie, ever the hero again, gets the second in the 26th minute. Um, they get one back late, late on. They had a handball appeal turned down. So, in short, Blythe had a lot of bad luck in, in those two games. A lot of pissed off um, Newcastle fans that were helping out the Blythe fans in that replay. And when we spoke to Niall Bromley, who's the media assistant at Blythe Spartans earlier this week, um, which is on the Twitter spaces, which I will link you to on, on the uh, Twitter account, he's basically saying it will it, this match next week or Saturday will offer Blythe's Almost like a shot of redemption for righting the wrongs of of, of those uh, of that those historical matchups, basically. So that's the long and short of it. So Blythe will be out for revenge on Saturday. So beware. They will, but they're they're struggling to get a side together. Um, but they do have a known player to wreck. I mean, JJ JJ O'Donnell, JJ O'Donnell used to play for Luton. I think oh, wow. I think he 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 probably contested at least several of those zillion playoff games we had against Luton, but. He's playing for them as well. So interesting. And where are we in terms of television coverage? Because it's going to be on ESPN the States, I believe. But will we be able to watch that here, or will that need to be some form of illegal stream that I am not condoning? Don't condone it, but yeah, it'll be the Latin. Um, <laughs> interesting. A lot, Amer- a lot of Americans getting up at the crack of dawn to watch it. Apparently, yeah, why? Why have they moved it forward? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's absolutely is it, bizarre. Is there a free? Is there a you, free don't, you don't know the schedule for that ESPN US. They could be baseball on all day, or you know. Yeah. Is there a free o'clock blackout still? Um, not not for a not for a, not for abroad. It's only in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, true. Either Either way, we're, we're on the telly, and people will tune in to to view it. Um, and it's it like FA Cup's a pen, potential banana skin as it always is, but. From a Wrexham point of view, it offers the the sort of the fringe players, if you like, a chance to stake a claim, especially after after Saturday's uh, 
conceding of five goals in such right. a fashion. Before we go, can I just have a straw poll uh, of all three of us? Who would you change for, for that game? I'm going to go in now and I would say I'd give Tunnicliffe a game instead of Toza. Um, I would probably give um, Dolby a game as well. And maybe Hosanna. And maybe McElindon on the left. Anyone else? Any any advances on those? All those. And I think um, I, I, I'm half, half anticipating him making a change in goal. Don't know. With who? Well, we've got another two backup goalkeepers that we don't really know much about. So I mean, I think that's dangerous to put a new keeper in unless Leighton's fit. And I, if he is, great. Let's get him back in. Yeah. I, I but, will add as well, you know, FA Cup um, potential here for a good run. I'm not sure I would do all those changes. I could maybe see a couple. Um, but I don't know. I'm not... Uh, I'd probably give Dolby a game. I quite like the idea of playing McLinden at left wing back. But other than that, I think I w- I'm not sure I'd... Met- oh, Tannercliffe actually as well. Yeah, I like that idea. I think Tannercliffe needs a game. I think, yeah, he does, doesn't know, he? Yeah, I think the defence has been creeping, creaking a little bit and it'd be nice to give him a go and see see what he's all about. Liam, what would you do? Um, like Reese, I don't know if I'd make as many just because our US audience will be watching in anticipation for an all-star game. Um, but no, I think I would actually like to see Tunner Cliff because at the moment it feels like he's becoming this season's Brizzly where yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in fear. I'll be honest, I haven't really seen Tunner Cliff play much, but from what I understand, he's of a decent calibre. So if there's an opportunity to give him a game, surely this has got to be it. I think I think Toza could do with a rest. He's played every game this season. I'd yeah. maybe give him a give him a run out. Well, there we go. Well, we'll soon find out anyway um, how, what the first team is. Um, but until uh, next week, thank you very much for listening. As we mentioned, we will be trying to get an interview with Dixie McNeil uh, to actually work. Uh, stay tuned for that one. Uh, but we've got other. Uh, interviews lined up over the next few weeks as well we'll be telling you about shortly but thanks for listening and goodbye cheers bye cheers away the tune cheers everyone